Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, how great you are. You've called us to be gathered together today to celebrate the, the biggest week in the history of the world and to start so with the attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ. So lead us in your word today where you would have us go. Where we're down, lift us up. Give us that audacious faith that hangs on to things supernatural and things unseen to strengthen our lives, our words, our deeds, our actions to make a difference and an impact in the world. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Attitude. Your attitude. This morning we're singing, we're worshiping with attitude. You could hear it in the hymns, you could hear it in the medley. There's attitude in the sanctuary today. Attitude of victory, attitude of Palm Sunday, attitude that Easter's on the way. At 8 o'clock it was a little different. It was an attitude of sleep, an attitude of rest, an attitude of tiredness. Where we have our vivacious and active choir, we had fourth graders who were scraped out of bed, a little tired, a little worn out, but made a marvelous, joyful noise to the Lord. It's attitude, man. Attitude is everything. Winston Churchill said, attitude is the little thing that makes a big difference. Your attitude, you affect your attitude. Your attitude makes a difference. With a poor attitude, there's poor behavior and poor language and poor feelings about self. With good attitude, there's confidence and hope and the audacity of optimistic expectations. Attitude is the little thing that makes a big difference. And so when Paul begins to write in Philippians chapter 2, to his favorite church, to his favorite people, with this marvelous sense of joy in his heart. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude. What's your attitude? If you were to write down three words as I'm speaking today, what would those three words be? Bring coffee now. Donuts in church. Don't go long. You know all that thing. What would be your attitude? What would you be thinking about? Because we live in a time of incredible acceleration. It's not just that we have to deal with rapid amounts of change. It's that we have to deal with rapid pieces of change that occur more closely together. It happens so quickly that by the time you've assimilated one change into your attitude or into your behavior, the next one comes. And it used to be two generations ago, you could sit out on the farm and operate with the, uh, the revolutions of agriculture and spring and fall and winter and summer and harvest and sowing and reaping. And we just continue to go. We blow and go. Go, go, go. And sometimes as soon as we get our attitude adjusted, the change sneaks away. And then what? How do you hold on? Not just through the change, but through the acceleration of change. I was thinking about what would happen when my children were fourth graders singing. Now my kids are gulp 28 and 24. Your average fourth grader is about 10 or 11. And it's a lot of years, a lot of change, a lot to digest over a relatively short period of time. What's your attitude? How do you deal with that? 
just when you think you have your arms around it, you're positive, you're upbeat, you're life-sustaining, things are good, you're walking tall, chest back, chin out, and then boom, life pops and there's another change. And you feel uneasy because life kind of slips away through your fingertips. You say, now what? Now where do I go? Now what do I do? What do you link to? What drives your attitude? What makes a difference for you every morning when you wake up that says, this is going to be a great day? What drives your attitude? Or even a, a, a bigger thought from the text, how does our Lord Jesus affect our attitude and keep us plowing forward in life? Because we're coming into a week which is maybe the greatest attitude revitalizer, the greatest attitude adjuster, the greatest attitude and motivator that ever happened in the history of the world. So Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. These words from our text. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature with God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Come back to church on Friday night, it's going to be a little different attitude. Dark, no candles, veiled cross, and a cross right in front. Your attitude should be the same as the one who died upon a cross. And you say, but wait, Jesus, it didn't work out so well for you. At the end of the day, with all your attitude and all your stuff, you were still hanging on that cross. And Paul says, have that attitude? What are the three words you would write down to express your attitude this morning? What would you put in your bulletin and say, here's my attitude, here's where I'm at? Well, maybe you'd write down the word humility because it's right out of the text. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who considered other people first rather than himself and did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, Jesus said others first. In a time and a space where people say, my comforts, my convenience, my need, and then other people, once I've got myself together, you're all good. Then, then, then I'll reach out. Uh-uh. Other people first. In our relationships, it's other people first. During this week of Easter, we see Jesus put other people first to the point of death, even death on a cross. He lets go of power and authority, of fire in his eyes and thunderbolts from his fingertips, of miracles and supernatural things and completely pours out his divinity and his humanity to the point of death, even death on a cross. And the power of that, the power of Jesus and his humility to attract people to himself is amazing. I don't know about you, but I get tired of being with arrogant people because arrogant people like to talk about themselves. And how great they are. But I'm drawn to a humble person. And Jesus draws us not with power and authority, but with humility. Your attitude should have humility. 
and sacrifice. Paul continues to write, Jesus pours himself out. I love that idea. My favorite athletes are the ones that pour themselves out. I love the ones that win. I, I, I like to win. Don't get me wrong on that. But I like the ones that, even though the scoreboard may not reflect it, they're winners. The ones who stumble into the Olympic Stadium at the last mile of the marathon and crawl their way to the finish. The ones who are the last ones through in the L.A. Marathon because of what's gone on in their lives and maybe some handicap or, or something wrong with their body or their training or something. And they drag themselves through that finish line. The player that plays with an injury. The swimmer whose shoulders are shot. The, the person who overcomes adversity in a powerful way to sacrifice for the team. Subjecting the goals of self for the goals of the team. An attitude of humility leads to an attitude of sacrifice. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who poured himself out like a pitcher full of refreshing cold water on a hot day. He poured himself out completely to show us the way of sacrifice. And not just to show us the way of sacrifice, but to be the sacrifice for our sins, to pay our ransom, to set us free from sin and death and all of the powers of darkness and cut us free in his sacrifice to live. He releases us from sin and guilt and shame and delivers peace with God for us through his sacrifice. Humility and sacrifice. Cornerstones of an attitude that is otherworldly, supernatural, and rooted in eternity and service. Jesus leads us to an attitude of service. I love this church. I love serving here. Last night, we had a big fiesta. We had a good time. We were over at this party thing doing something for the school. And, and we were dancing and jumping around. And my witching hour happened at 9 o'clock. Got home a little after 10. And I'm thinking, I'm going to bring it this morning. I'm ready to roll. What I love about our church and where we're going is just an attitude of service. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in our congregation, there's a lot less emphasis on what's in it for me than there has been in the past. People are lining up to say, where can I serve? How can I serve? What does it look like to serve? I'd rather serve than take. I'd rather participate in service at the Easter egg thing than necessarily have and get and gather. From my office, the things that are getting there are not the things of, of, I didn't get mine and my kid didn't get this. The things that are coming to my office are, Pastor, we have this opportunity. Have you seen this and read about this and heard this? And I'll say, no, what do you got? What do you want to do? And they say, oh, we got this thing with this deal with this person. Maybe we can connect and work together. Cool. That's the attitude of service. Where and how can I serve? Jesus delivers that, his service all the way to the cross, pouring out himself in giving for us. You're going to be a lot of giving this next week at St. John's. You guys have this service, take a deep breath, this service, 
choir concert tonight, church on Friday, then rehearsal after Friday. These guys have the shortest Good Friday in the history of the world. Amen, benediction, walk out, and then it's Easter for these guys. And then in two or three services on Sunday, three, Allison, three, yeah, that's a lot of service. Thank you. We need you. You make an enormous difference. And where's Alex over there? Alex, we have bells next Sunday? He's outside having a donut. Well, he deserved it. He was here early this morning. We got ushers, greeters, deacons, communion. There's Dr. Heidi. Good. Wake up. Stay out. Is Alex playing handbells next? Uh, handbells for Easter? Oh, perfect. Then we got all the ringlings ready to go. We're in great shape. This is a week of service, pouring ourselves out for other people as Christ poured himself out for us. If you're not serving at church, maybe you're serving to make your home a place of peace and oasis for someone else. Maybe everyone's coming to your place and you're gonna shake it up this year and you're gonna have tacos instead of ham and scalloped potatoes. I don't know what you're gonna do, but you know. You're gonna clean up and you're gonna do the yard and you may plant some spring flowers and you're going to make sure that everything is just right and just so, so that when your guests come in, they have a sense of service because in humility and sacrifice, you serve. Maybe God's going to call you to be a guest next week. And you walk into the home graciously, noticing what people have done and the amount of work and detail that's gone in it for you and for your loved ones and you say thank you all of that is service your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who served all the way unto death left not a drop inside of his divinity left not a drop inside of his humanity who gave his hands for spikes his feet for nails his side for a spear and there the centurion said when Jesus died, this one surely was the son of God because of his humility, his sacrifice, and his service. That's our attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Three words, humility, sacrifice, service. There's one more thing that we look for, isn't it? If you participate in my Tuesday morning Bible study with the guys at seven in the, in the garage off of the Chapman building, you know that that big word is there in verse nine. That's a big word, fellas. Therefore, therefore God, therefore God. Jesus is there and Jesus is driving this text until it's therefore God. All of the work of Jesus, the humility, the sacrifice service, verse nine, two words, therefore God, God exalted him to the highest place and giving him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Therefore, God, Jesus stops driving and the father drives because the father is in charge of the results. The father is in charge of the exaltation. Be in humility, sacrifice, and serve, and let God lift you up. Because that's where God does his best work. If you don't believe me, see me next Sunday, and I'll assure you that the Jesus who was put in the grave has been risen from the dead and exalted. 
to the right hand of God in a way that no one or nothing has ever been exalted before. We're not responsible for all the results. God takes care of that. And I love that part about letting God be God in my life. One of the greatest joys I had in serving as a pastor was coaching fifth grade football. And I did it with Dave Stewie for a couple years. I did it with some, some dads when my kids were in. And, and I just loved the fifth graders because it was fun. And honestly, just by being organized and being good, you won almost every time. It worked out good. We would have 37 kids on that football team. You could only play eight at a time. So we would do a line change, basically. Green defense in. It was blue. Blue defense in. Am I blue? Am I blue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're blue. Gold defense in. Blue defense blue. You in? You in? Yeah, 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 yeah. Parents would say, my kid only got to play four plays. I'd say, no, no, I got this all. Your kid played seven plays. But the other kids played more. No, no, Billy played seven. Billy played five. Freddie played, you know, yeah, it all worked out. Oh, really? You thought that through? Yeah, I thought that through. Why? Well, because you want to do the best you can. If you look at those marks of attitude, humility, sacrifice, and service, all the makings of a good team, humility, sacrifice and service and it's amazing how when you train fifth grade football players how well they can compete and how well they could do just because of attitude shoulders back chest out let's go okay I remember one particular game where my attitude got the best of me or the worst of me we had the best, I had two gimmick plays. And I never ran those plays. It wasn't on the film for the fifth grade team. We didn't run film, I'm just being stupid. But, <laughs> but I had two misdirection plays that I only ever kept when I needed them. And if you don't know this, if you haven't had kids in the school, everyone stacks their team to beat St. John's Orange. They always do. And so we were playing a team mostly of sixth and seventh graders, not all fifth graders, although my fifth graders had shaved for the occasion, they were <laughs> a pretty hardy group of fifth graders. <laughs> Nothing like looking at the fifth graders and saying, one, two, three Mustangs, and they go, one, two, three Mustangs. <laughs> Attitude. We ran our play to win the game, climb comes off the clock, our kid's running in the free, gone, no one even close to him, the referee pulls out the flag. Oh, okay, I got one more play. I can live with this. Same different play, same kind of misdirection. All of their kids go one way. Our running back, the fastest kid on the field, is pitched on a little thing, and he's gone again. The referee looks at me and throws the flag. Okay. You want a piece of me? You got a piece of me. After the altercation that ensued... I was summoned into the then senior pastor's office and he said, you need to check your attitude. I said, but we got ripped off. He said, it doesn't matter. Your kids had a good season. You enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. Just leave it at that. And in humility, sacrifice, and service, your now senior pastor had to put his tail between his legs, apologize, write a letter of apology to the other school, 
swallow hard and take the second place trophy. But we won. We won. Because we taught those kids humility, sacrifice, and service. And they won a lot more games than they lost just because. Therefore, God. Therefore, God. God exalted him to the highest place. Our attitude isn't about the results. Our attitude is about living life for its fullest with humility, sacrifice, and service. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. God takes care of the end. We trust him for the end. We have faith for him in the end. We have hope in the end. God takes care of the end. It's his to exalt. His to point to the cross. His to spotlight. Knees bowing throughout the universe at the name of Jesus. Every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. God takes care of the winning and the losing. Our attitude, well, that's the same as that of Christ Jesus. And if you want the proof of that, you'll have to come back next week. Because we're gonna block the, we are going to blow the doors off this place. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And the celebration of that highest place, of life's victory over death, of grace's victory over sin, of love's victory over hatred, that's next weekend. But it's the attitude of humility, sacrifice, and service that marks our lives on that pathway home. Amen.